Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. It's good to see you guys. VBS was amazing. I told you last week I was praying that we would have 300 kids at VBS. We had 294. And I think that in combination with, I'm sure, what the pregnant ladies that were volunteering here, I'm sure we hit our, our mark, you know. So come on, let's give it up for God for that. We did have, uh, we had 146 amazing volunteers. Raise your hand if you volunteered for VBS this last week. Come on, let's give it up for these people. Look. It is a blast, but it is exhausting. And uh, they did an amazing job. So uh, most importantly, biggest win, we had 10 kids surrender their life to Jesus over the course of this last week. Come on, that's huge. God's good. Uh, and we also, some of y'all parents might've recognized that your kids were coming and stealing all of your change from all over your house. Uh, and that's because during the week, we wanna try to teach them the principles of, of giving, of tithes and offerings and all that. And so. We usually raise money during VBS for different organizations, and uh, we were raising money for the Wycliffe Bible Translators this year, and the kids brought over $2,500 in change that we were able to give to Wycliffe, so that's pretty awesome as well. Uh, another uh, shout out to uh, Dairy Queen, the Lively family, they're amazing. They donated food for two of those nights, so uh, just an incredible week. Uh, but today, it's all about you dads. So I'm excited to speak to you. If you are a dad in the house, you mind standing up? I know you don't like this. I wouldn't like it, but I'm asking you, go ahead, stand up, stand up. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask you to, nope, stand up. You're gonna stand the whole service. Not really, not really. Uh, but I, hey, I wanna pray for you guys. Look, we, we live in a day and age where the need and necessity for godly, strong, unbreakable, uncompromising men of God are standing up. And so I don't know if you feel that way or not, but that is what God has called you to be. That's what he sees in you. And that's what we're gonna do as a church to call out of you in Jesus' name. And I just wanna pray for you. Father God, I lift up every one of these men. Uh, Lord, to be a father, a spiritual father, I know we have foster dads in here. Uh, Lord, it is a huge responsibility. And there isn't one of us that are standing up and saying that we've got it figured out. All of us are broken without you. But with you, and because of the cross, and because of who you are, first and foremost, as our heavenly father, we receive the mantle of being a dad. We receive it. And we're gonna carry it to the best of our ability. But God, I pray that every one of these men will feel your favor, your grace, and your strength on them. God, I thank you for a new desire and passion for your word. I pray for fresh anointing on their time with you. God, I speak to their physical, spiritual, emotional bodies, and I command wholeness in the name of Jesus. God, would you pour out your spirit in a fresh way on every single one of them? I thank you for them, God. Let them feel your favor, your grace on them today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, fellas, you can have a seat. 
Now, I will say, I feel like men get a really bad rap in today's culture. I mean, even in Hollywood, it drives me crazy. You watch a movie, and it's like the dad is the biggest loser in the movie. He's the weakest person. A lot of times, he's the villain. And at the end of the movie, like an animal saves the day. And I just don't like that. Look, God has called us to be the heroes. God has called us to be the men, the warriors that stand up. And I'm thankful we got so many men around here. I will say, you know, you can tell the difference. Like Father's Day is just different, right? Like it's definitely different than Mother's Day, that's for sure. Like Mother's Day is one of the most attended Sundays of the year, all right? You've got Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day, all right? And on those days, like even here in church, I'll just admit it, like we probably don't get this right either. Like we go all out. Any of those other holidays, like this church is spotless. You know, we got flowers. We got, everything is squared away. Father's Day, you get smoked meat. That's all you get. And I hope that's good enough because we got a bunch for you. A shout out to the guys that stayed up all night long smoking some pork butts so that we can enjoy a little bit of barbecue this morning. So, uh, <laughs> Sorry that your kids are gonna smoke like, or smell like smoked meats because that whole hallway down there is just permeating with smoked meat smell. So, But uh, I do think it's important that we recognize who God has called us to be as men, as fathers. Uh, so I wanna encourage you today. A lot of times fathers say you hear sermons that you feel beat up with, and I, I'm not doing that today. I'm just gonna do my best to encourage you. Uh, we're in this series about David. And what I like about David, like he was a great guy that was totally jacked up. And I can relate to that, right? Like I know I don't have it all together, but he was, he was cool. Like David could have hung out at any Arkansas redneck party that we would ever throw. Like he'd be right there, you know, playing cornhole. He was just, he was a man's man, but he made some mistakes. He has more recorded mistakes than any other man in the Bible but he also asked God for more help than any other person in the Bible. And I think that is what contributes to his greatness. He knew that he was messed up. He knew that he needed God and he didn't hesitate to go to him. Well, one day his whole family got kidnapped. And today I wanna teach you how to be a father who fights for his family. First Samuel 30 verse one is our main text. It says this, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their hometown of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziglag. They had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off all the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreel, I'm just guessing on that first name, that's, that's just total guess, and Abigail and the widow of Nabal of Carmel, or from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. This is one of the most traumatic times for David as a dad, later on in life, we know things got sideways as well. But David went through a ton of pain. Most of that was the pain of rejection. Remember his family rejected, like his dad rejected him. He didn't even recognize that David was one of his sons when the prophet came to anoint one of them to be king. Like he didn't even call him in from the field. 
So he experienced that rejection. Then he found favor with Saul, but then Saul became jealous and rejected him. His wife rejected him. And you can, re- you can tell just reading through the Psalms that there was a lot of inner turmoil for David. This is what I've learned. Men who love well will fight through some rejection at one point or another. That's a great measure of whether you're loving well or not is if you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to fight through some rejection. And then David assembled this army, but now this army's turning against him as well. And that rejection route that he was dealing with from these other areas begins to well up and all the unresolved, unhealed, and uncounseled issues from his life, they start coming back up to the surface. If you don't deal with the root issues in your life when another offense, another hurt or wound that's like it comes around, these, these feelings and these emotions. And so I would imagine that all those things are going through David's heart and mind in this story. David's broken, he's bruised, but now in spite of being broken and bruised and rejected, he's got to fight for his family. So let's learn from what he doesn't do and then how God leads him. When it feels like your family's been taken hostage, first of all, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. The whole out of sight, out of mind approach is not going to work. You can think maybe it'll just go away. I can suffer in silence. I can grin and bear it. It won't work. Even David said this in Psalm 32. There was a time I wouldn't admit my sin, but my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. You ever hurt yourself so bad you didn't wanna look at whatever was hurt because you just knew it was bad, but you wanna just try to ignore it, all right? Uh, You've probably had that happen before. Like if you've ever smashed your finger with a hammer, you don't wanna look at it. You're like, I just know it's bad. I just don't, I just, you know. Uh, Men are notorious for hurting themselves and pretending like they're not hurt. We stupid. There's been lots of times that's happened in my life. I remember one particular time back when I was in high school and I was uh, at a ice skating rink with some friends and, uh, and I fell down at some point. And as soon as I fell down, the person behind me skated over my hand. And my, the thing was, my hand was freezing cold, so I didn't feel anything. So one part of my mind is this is not good. The other part of my mind was, I didn't feel anything, so maybe I'm good. So I just kept skating. And then I hear blood-curdling screams from behind me. And somebody comes up and say, James, your hand, your hand. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. And he's like, no, you're not good. You're not good. I look back, it looked like somebody had been murdered on the ice. There's a girl over in the corner throwing up. <laughs> and I look down, and it was actually just my pinky, but my pinky, I could see everything on the inside of my pinky and it was just bleeding like a sieve and and I still wanted to be like oh it's good I'll just you know put a band-aid on it they're like you're gonna have to go to the doctor like right now and uh so then but then it thawed out it wasn't as cold anymore and then I could then I could feel it I could feel it and I'm not usually very squirmish at all but man I I didn't want to look I did not want to look I get to the doctor he's like whoa you did a number have you looked at this? I'm like, I don't want to look. He's like, no, look at it. You can see the bone and everything. I'm like, you are weird. Doctors are gross sometimes. But the bottom line was like, I, I had to take care of it. 
And the same thing will happen in your life, emotionally and spiritually. There will be indicators around you saying, you need to look at this. This is broken. And some of you have some of those things right now, and you cannot ignore this. Some of you parents have children on drugs, but you're pretending not to know it. Some of you, your marriage is dying, and you're pretending that it's not happening. Some of you are deep in a secret sin and you're pretending like everything's okay. Why do we pretend? We think maybe if I can just ignore it, it'll go away. But David says, but when I don't admit my hurt, when I don't admit my sin, when I don't admit that I've blown it, all it does is make me miserable and it frustrates me. You can't ignore it. You also can't run away from it. You can't run away from it. Did you know that humans are the only animal species that when they get lost, they start running? I learned this back, my dad used to teach hunter safety. And so one of the parts of the course was talking about like, what do you do when you're lost? How do you, how you deal with survival type situations? And we'd watch all these corny videos about these stories of people that when they got lost, instead of just stopping, Instead of just stopping, when they realize they were just stopping and sitting down, build a fire, and then wait, they would, they would move even faster. And a lot of these people, they would wind up dying, and when they would fi finally find the bodies or whatever, and they realize like where they were and where they wound up, clearly, as soon as they got lost, they freaked out, they panicked, they started moving even faster. A lot of times, that's what happens in our lives too. Instead of when we get to that place, we realize, man, something's messed up, something's broke. What we do is we get ourselves even more busy. It's like if we could just fill my schedule a little bit more and, and even if I could maybe fill my schedule with good things. Like if I could fill my schedule with a little more activities with my kids, a few more sports, a few more hobbies, a few more this, a few more that, if I can make myself busy, then maybe this thing will just go away, but you're just running. You're just running. It says in Psalm 55, I wish I had wings like a dove. I'd fly away and find some rest. I'd flee to some refuge from all this storm. Have you ever felt that? How many of you mothers of preschoolers have ever felt that way before? Like, I'd really just like to run away. I'd really just like to be able to go to the bathroom in peace by myself once in my life. There's a lot of ways that we escape today. I think in our culture, honestly, a lot of it is around schedule. Just get busier. But there's other ways that people will run away too. People can take drugs to run away. You can get drunk to run away. You can go have an affair to try to run away. You can eat a tub of ice cream while binge watching Netflix until it asks you if you're still watching. You know, you've been watching some Netflix. If it starts, if it, when Netflix starts putting condemnation on you because you've been watching too long, you've been watching a long time. Are you still watching? Really? You bum? There's a lot of ways that we can run. We are experts at escaping. But running from a problem, it's a little bit like this. It's like going to an amusement park. Say you, you go to Silver Dollar City and you wait in a, in a line for a ride for an hour. 
and you do all this waiting, and then you finally get on the ride. And the ride is a blast for three minutes. And then it brings you right back to where you started. And that's what it's like when you try to run away from your issues, when you try to run away from what's broken. You're in this season and it's tough. And then you think, man, I'm just, if I could just get away, if I could just have a fun ride for a little while, it's fine. But guess what? Eventually that's going to be over and you're going to be right back where you started. And I see so many people living in these cycles. I see it manifest and play out in their schedule every year. It's every year. It's like this season they do this, this season they do this, this season they do this, then they do this, then they go and do this, but they've never addressed these things that are broken and they're in this cycle and it's always going to be there and it comes back until the enemy breaks the whole thing down until he destroys it. Whatever, however that happens, you can't run away from this. Legally, doors on buildings have to open outward because when crowds of people start freaking out, they just run, they run. And some of you, that's the tendency that you have. That old saying, time heals all wounds, is a lie. Most things only heal when you let the healer do his work. So we have wrong ways of dealing with these pains, these hurts, the zigzag times in our life. And David is here because Saul has become obsessively jealous of him. That's the reason why he's in zigzag. So David is living in this area and he decides that he wants to fight a battle with who is actually his old enemy. He's taking refuge with the Philistines because he knows as much as Saul hates him, the Philistines hate Saul, so the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So he's with the Philistines. He's been hanging out with them. And he's trying to win favor with his enemy to try to get protection from Saul. And so he offers to fight with the Philistines. And they reject his offer. The Philistine lords say, no, we don't trust you. It's not going to happen. So they reject him. And this is embarrassing for David. This is the story of his life. His family rejects him. His king rejects him. His wife rejects him. Now the Philistines have rejected him. So the problem is they're a 50-mile hike from home. So they just get rejected by the Philistines. And now they've got a three-day journey back to find out that, only, that their city is on fire. The Amalekites attacked them, took off all their family, all their kids, all their wives, and everything that they, they, they own. Everything's gone. So it's kind of one of those things, like just when you think it couldn't get any worse, it just did. It reminds me a little bit of a Boudreaux joke that Pastor Rick told me. Boudreaux is at a bar and he's depressed. And this huge bully trucker guy comes in comes up to the bar and steals Boudreaux's drink. And Boudreaux starts crying. And the trucker actually feels a little bad. He's like, man, I'm sorry, man, what's, what's wrong with you? Why are you so upset? And Boudreaux says, oh, it just can't get any worse. I woke up late today for an important meeting. I got to work and my boss fired me. Then I emptied my desk just to go outside and find out whether my car was stolen. 
So I had to get a cab ride home, and I get home and realize that I left my wallet in the cab, and it had $1,000 in it. When I get home, I go inside, and I find out my wife has packed up all of her things and left, and the only thing she let me, left me was her cat that hates me. That's like the worst thing ever. Nothing could be worse. So I came into this bar today to end things, and you come in here and you drink my poison. Some of y'all are a little bit slow on that one. It's okay. That's the zigzag life. I'm tied into a battle on this end, and now I've got this other area of loss. This is so important because how David responded to this is what expedited him becoming king. And when you pass this test, I believe that it will propel you forward as well. All the pain, the rejection, David didn't run, he didn't ignore it, he didn't hide it. In verse six, the second part of it, it says this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. There will be a time or two or three in your life where even when you have good biblical community around you, even when you have incredible friends with great counsel and great advice, there will be situations where you're gonna have to learn that you plus God is enough. Where even with all the best support and encouragement, there will be things that people will just look and say, all we can do is pray. I've got, I can't help you out of this. And you're gonna have to go to the Lord and throw yourself on his mercy and on his grace and on his leading. And David says in Psalm 142, I bring God all my complaints. I tell him all my troubles. When I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. How to encourage and strengthen yourself in a zigzag season. First of all, bring me the ephod. That's what David said, bring me the ephod, not bring me my iPhone, bring me the ephod. The ephod was the garment that was worn by the priest. David's in military clothing and he needed to change. Ever been underdressed for something before? It's, it's just a really awkward, difficult situation. Like, like if you ever had something maybe for one of your kids and you show up, maybe it's like an award ceremony and you're like, I've been to these before. People show up in sweats, I'm good. And then you show up and people are wearing like nice clothes. It's awkward, it's a little uncomfortable. One place that you will never be underdressed Walmart at 9 p.m. at night. You will never, ever, there are fully grown adults there with SpongeBob pajama pants on and they, they're proud of it. They just like, I'm like, I dressed up to come to Walmart. Being underdressed though, or not having the right clothes for the right situation, it's awkward. The same thing is true in life. Now, I'm not saying physically, I'm saying how you dress or operate or function as a business person, as a nurse or doctor, even a mom or a dad, that skill will not be enough. You're going to have to connect to your heavenly father. You're gonna to have to put on some spiritual clothes to deal with whatever you're dealing with. 
you're gonna have to get with God alone where God can, is the only one that can strengthen you. He says, bring me the ephod. I need to put on some spiritual clothes right now. The word talks about the spiritual clothes that God gives us. Later on in the New Testament in Ephesians 6, it says, stand firm them with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's so huge, that gospel of peace. Because when you're walking through a zigzag, the one thing you're gonna have to have is a peace that transcends understanding for sure. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 61.3, put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. There will come a point where you're going to have to exchange what you're used to, what you might naturally lean into, a gift, a talent, some knowledge, some understanding, even some experience. You're gonna have to pick up his word, lift up your voice, lift up your hands, lift up your heart and seek your heavenly father. He's the only one that can help you. And when you're in your zigzag, you're gonna have to inquire of the Lord. That's what he did, inquire of the Lord. In those times, there's only one voice that matters. There's only one voice that matters. You're gonna have to hear from God. And this is not one of those seasons where you're able to just pray through your prayer list. Lord, bless Aunt Sally and heal her over bunions. Like this is not a season. This is when those times you pray things like this. God, if you don't answer, it's over. I need you. I'm desperate. The word inquire in Hebrew is the word sha'al. It means to beg, to require, earnestly desire, to demand an answer. In 2 Samuel 5, 23, therefore David inquired of the Lord, inquired of the Lord. There's seven other times where it says, and David inquired of the Lord. And he said, you shall not go up, circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. In other words, there were other times where where David inquired of God and God said, go up, go up, go up. But this time it says, don't go up come around behind him, which teaches us this. When you hit these seasons, you're gonna have to hear from God and you can't just go on past experience. You can't go on past history. You can't go on your natural tendencies. The truth is it was a little bit of David doing that that got him in this mess to start with. Let me tell you how. He was prophesied over that he was gonna be the next king, but he ran from Saul because he didn't think that God could keep him safe. So he ran to the Philistines, his enemy, pretending to be loyal. What happens when you get to a place where you quit letting God be your source and you're desperate for him, you'll begin leading a double life. And that's what he did. He had a double life with a double standard and his family was left vulnerable as a result. And the same thing happens with us. He's in a big mess and now he needs God. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that God still answers even when I'm one of the major contributors to the issue and situation I'm in. I'm thankful that God still hears me, still wants to speak to me. And the last thing is recover what you've lost. First Samuel 30, 17, then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. 
Not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. So David recovered all, everybody say all, all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, son or daughter, spoil or anything writ which they had taken from them. David recovered all. What have you lost? More specifically, what has the enemy taken away from you? Look, there may be some things that as far as the natural is concerned that you can't get back, but you have to understand that the spiritual war is much more important for you to recognize. Because while you may have lost something at one point or another in the natural, the enemy is still winning because you haven't taken anything back in the spiritual. You've surrendered your vision. You've surrendered your confidence. You've surrendered your identity in Christ. You've surrendered the mantle of leader. You've surrendered the mantle of husband. You've surrendered the mantle of father. And at one point or another, you're gonna have to take it back. You're gonna have to seek God, get with God, but then you're gonna have to move. And I feel like this is a word from the Lord because maybe you feel like you're in a good place right now, but I have a feeling that there's still some spiritual ground that you've surrendered and lost, and now you're just cruising. And the only way that we're going to be the men and the fathers that God's created us to be is we gotta go and take back everything that the enemy has tried to steal from us. Tenfold. We don't settle. We gotta get a fire in our belly about this. Two-thirds of God is go. Three-fifths of Satan is sat. Get your butt moving. Get back in the fight and take back what the enemy's taken from you. David went and took back everything that was taken away. And there's times you're gonna have to do that too, especially spiritually. A lot of Christians, we pray that God just does it all for us. I think we have to inquire and then we go into attack mode. Your innocence, your purity, your character, your family, your dignity, your vision, your relationships, what has been stolen, what has been lost, you need to move and take it back in the spirit. Take it back. But you've gotta make the move. You've gotta make the move. Not God, please bring it to me. There are some things that are not a boomerang. They're not gonna come back to you. You're gonna have to go get it. Don't wish it, seize it. Thus saith the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace, your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us will prosper in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray for every man in this room, certainly the fathers, the husbands, but also the future fathers and husbands. I thank you, Lord, for the responsibility of the mantle that you've given us to lead and to lead strong and with boldness. I thank you, Lord, that clearly your word shows us over and over again that it doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean that we've got it all figured out. It does mean that when we are in places of brokenness, when we're in places of loss, that we can inquire of our God 
and hear from you. That you strengthen us in our inmost being. Get us back in the fight. God, I pray that you'd bring the heart and mind and people's hearts right now in this room of areas where the enemy has come in and he's taken away. He's tried to steal, kill, and destroy. And I pray, God, that we would, in boldness, by the power of your word, the strength of your Holy Spirit, to do warfare, to do warfare, to take back what the enemy has stolen. I pray that you would return vision, God, return passion, return conviction in Jesus' name. I thank you for it. God, I pray that you would be the lifter of our heads. Pray that every man, every husband, every father in this room would sense your favor, your grace on them, Lord, be the lifter of their head. Let them sense your favor, but also let them sense the fire in their belly to not be complacent, to not give up, to not be apathetic but to live the life and life to the full that you came to give them. Thank you for it. I wanna give an opportunity for anyone in this room that doesn't have a connection or relationship with their heavenly father. Without a doubt, the fact of my life is this, I cannot be the husband, the father, I can't be anything without an overflow of my life and relationship with my heavenly father. If I don't know that I'm loved and accepted by him, there's no way I can be effective at leading anything or anyone else. And it's the truth for you too. Whatever gift or talent or ability, whatever season that the Lord has for you, whatever purpose you You can't achieve it, you can't see it, you can't walk in it without knowing who your heavenly father is, without having a relationship with him. The fact is he is a holy God and none of us desire or deserve to be close to him, but he sent his son Jesus to pay the price so that we could. And if you're here today and you know that you're away from God, you know because you have no peace You have no peace in your heart. There's no real joy there. You chase after lots of different things to try to bring happiness, to try to bring fulfillment, but it's just like being on that roller coaster. It's fun for a season, but then it brings you right back to where you were and you find yourself empty again. Maybe you were close to him at some point, but you know right now in your heart, you're not close to him. You have no confidence about your eternity, And maybe you've been faking it for a while. Maybe you're somebody that shows up every single Sunday and comes to church, but in your heart, there's not a real, genuine, sincere relationship with God. And I wanna give you a chance to respond to Him right now. 
to accept the free gift of salvation because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross so that you could have a real, genuine, personal relationship with your heavenly father. And I wanna give you an opportunity just to respond to him. And I know the Holy Spirit's already speaking with, to you. He's dealing with you, you can sense it. It's like right there in your gut, like, man, I know I need him. I know this is about me. And I wanna give you a chance to respond. The word says that if you'll confess with your mouth, if you'll believe in your heart, then you can be saved. And I wanna give you an opportunity just to confess it, just to say, that's me. I know I need him. If that is you, I want you to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see you, as soon as we make eye contact and put your hand down, you say, man, I need Jesus. I got you, dude, thank you. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Got you, yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I got you. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Got you, brother. I respect you, man. Got you. I see you back there. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Got you. Anyone else? Proud of you guys. More important than that, your heavenly father sees you, he loves you. He's proud of you. You raising your hand, that doesn't get you saved. But when you're obedient, you trust him. Just that act of your free will of saying, it's me. His grace is gonna meet you right there. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm away from feeling led to do something. We could all just stand up. The, the truth is you, you, can make, you can make a personal decision to follow Jesus all by yourself somewhere. But your faith and your relationship with God is never meant to be private. The reason why we see the issues that we see in our nation and in our cultures because there's too many Christians who don't have a genuine relationship with the Lord that it's obvious to the world around them. Or there's too many people that set a bad example of what a Christian should be. And I believe that we need a remnant. We need, God needs his people, his bride to be living a life worthy of the calling that he's given them. It's obvious to the world around them, not that they're perfect, but they're humble, they're teachable, they love well, but they're uncompromising when it comes to the standard of the word of God. They're uncompromising what it means to be a Christ follower. And yes, I would say this is especially true with men, but it's just, it's true with his people. And so, I think it's important that if we need that kind of boldness, that I give you opportunities to show that kind of boldness. And so 
I'm not going to call you out, but if you just raised your hand and you know you needed to call on God, you're away from him, you're broken for whatever reason, if that's you, I want you to come down here to the front right now. And we'll wait on you. I want you to be bold, though. If you know you need to make decisions like this as they're making their way, I want if you see somebody moving, I want you to start giving them a hand clap because it takes some boldness to do this. We're gonna encourage you. We're gonna encourage you. We're proud of you. Come on. Come on. Proud of you. If you raised your hand, you said, I need to call on Jesus. I want you to be able to walk in confidence with everything that he's got for you for the rest of your life. And I think this is an important move for you to make right now. Who cares what anybody else thinks? Who cares what anybody else says? You're doing it for your king. You're doing it for the creator of the universe. You're doing it for your heavenly father. If you can't stand for him right now, are you gonna stand for him on Monday when you're at work? Is there anyone else? Come on, be bold. Man, I know there's a couple of you, you're wrestling with this right now. And I, I don't, I'm not gonna force you. I'm not gonna manipulate you. I can't. And, and it, would be, it wouldn't be right for me to call out anybody or point at anybody. I don't think that's the spirit of Christ. I don't think that's what he would do. But I don't want you to regret. I don't want you. And here's the thing. God has already met with you. It's fine. And I'm gonna say the prayer. And I'm gonna lead you in it in just a second. We'll get it taken care of. It's great. But I'm just telling you right now, there's a couple people in this room, you making the move, you making the move like these people have made and coming down here, I'll promise you, none of these people that are standing here right now regret the fact that they're down here. In fact, they feel the grace of God on them. They feel God's favor. They just feel like, you know what? I was obedient and nothing else mattered. And I don't want you to walk away from this place and realize, man, I, I needed to respond. So even if you aren't up here right now, it's okay. But I wanna give you just a couple more moments. If that's you, please move. Don't hesitate. If you hesitate, you hesitate, you're just gonna wind up not going. And I don't want you to have that. Anybody else? Don't worry about somebody that's around you or next to you. Just tell them, get out the way, I need to go. Okay, all right, that's all right. It's totally okay, it's okay. Thank you guys for being obedient. Thank you for responding. I don't know where you're at, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's just that you need to rededicate your life, you got off track, I don't know what it is. But I know this, God knows exactly what it is. And he's proud of you for being obedient. And when you move towards him, he draws near to you. When you move close to him, stuff shifts and breaks in the supernatural and in the spiritual. And I just, I know that some of you need that. So let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray for these guys down here. Prayer team, you can gather around these guys. Put a hand on their shoulder. Let's pray for them. Father God, we come before you. We're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for your grace and mercy. If you're here right now and you know that you need to surrender to Jesus, I just want you to repeat this prayer. You can say it in your own heart or loud enough for your own ears to hear it. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I surrender to you. 
I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you rose from the grave. You defeated death so that I could have the hope of heaven. You defeated sin so that I can be free. And I know that I can still make mistakes, but I know I'll always be able to find forgiveness in you. God, I surrender my life to you. I confess you as Lord and I repent. I turn away from living the way I've been living, living for the world. I wanna live for you for the rest of my life. I surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a new life. In Jesus' name.